Hello folks, Matthew Garnett here with In Layman's Terms. We are back in Better Than Ever, and today we are going to go back to our roots here a little bit for a series I'm calling the most popular sermons on YouTube, aka the worst sermons of the year so far. And we're starting off with none other than uh, T.D. Jakes. It's kind of funny when I pull that up and, and organize that according to popularity. We had like T.D. Jakes, the first 15 of them. Joel Osteen the next however many so we'll we'll hit Osteen probably next week he's probably going to come up as uh one of the popular ones for sure and you know these these big churches and the stuff that gets preached there we could all, all we can do is expose it here in layman's terms and that's what we're going to do but before we get to all that let me remind you to go to laymanstermsradio.org we are getting very close uh to, to being able to uh hire this consultant that's going to help us put together a business plan, uh, grant proposal, this sort of thing, for our idea of training truck drivers out of former inmates. And we're planning on expanding that out, maybe uh, extending it to uh, high school graduates and that sort of thing. Who knows what, what could happen? But first, we've kind of got to get our ducks in a row. This is something, like I've mentioned before, that we need professional help on. Uh, I am not adept or trained or know anything about putting anything like that together. All I have is a good idea. I'm kind of like one of those inventors that comes up with this great idea. Hopefully, it's a great idea. And uh, just lets the engineers go to work on it. So that, that's what we want to do. And you can donate there uh, at laymanstermsradio.org. And I think uh, if we were to get that off the ground, it's just, um, yeah, it's a, it's pretty exciting to, to imagine what kind of good we could do with that. We already did have done a lot of good in Kenya for uh, Kibos Hope Academy and the well there. Hoping to bring you an update on that soon. And so, uh, please, uh, if, if you enjoy the podcast, if you've know uh, you you've got something out of it, out of my musings, out of my me trying to keep my theological and philosophical mind sharp, give us a donation. It doesn't have to be big, but it can be. <laughs> so, uh, please donate at laymanstermsradio.org. Okay, so, we've got T.D. Jakes today, and... This is pretty low-hanging fruit, but I think some important things are, are going to come out here that we just simply can't emphasize enough. I mean, there's a bunch of us out there do, out here doing this sort of work where we, you know, we critique sermons, we critique lectures, and these sorts of things. And there's just some things we can't say enough that when you're listening to a sermon, uh, you might, like for instance, we're going to hear T.D. Jakes preach good news today, but it's not the biblical good news. Uh, and anything that is that a preacher is going to promise you from the pulpit that is not found in the contents of Holy Scripture, you should discount. In other words, you should always be asking, where in Holy Scripture is this preacher getting this from? He is promising me this as a Christian. Where in Holy Scripture do I find that promise made? And is he properly applying promises? For instance, you can take stuff out of Holy Scripture, which T.D. Jakes obviously does, and then modifies it, or what we would say twists it, or what St. Peter would say <laughs> twists it to their own design, uh, into something that is just simply not there, because maybe the promise wasn't, isn't a, a general gospel promise made to all Christians. It might have been a promise made to a specific person, uh, maybe in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. It may be a, a, a promise God made specifically to a group of people at a specific time. So these are the kind of things we're going to try to ferret out in this sermon, and we'll see how toxic and, and really dangerous this kind of preaching is. And, and sadly, 
it's it's very very popular and i've got a theory on that uh that uh that that those uh like saint paul teaches us in timothy those with itching ears are going to flock to where they can hear what they want to hear and it is it is a sad uh, testament to the to the state of the church in the united states uh, but hey, the, the church does not de- depend on the United States. <laughs> the church could be completely outlawed and die in the United States. In fact, that might be the best thing to happen to the church. In a really long time, we've enjoyed a brief period and in, in the grand scheme of things, a time of peace, prosperity. You know, we're not, I'm not worried about anybody beating down my door like they are down in Cuba uh, for, for doing a, a YouTube video cr- critiquing or talking about Christianity. Uh, I can pretty much say anything I want now. You know, maybe if I got popular enough, YouTube might come after me for for adhering to, to Christian values or whatever. But I'm that sort of thing. I'm not worried about. Um, and we've enjoyed this kind of peace and prosperity for a long time, and that's just something that the church has really not enjoyed at all throughout its life. I mean, even when the uh, the Romanists were dominant. It was still very a very tumultuous time for for the church itself. Uh, you know that that was a, that was an internal thing that made uh, being a Christian very very difficult, uh, especially in a, in a common way. So we we enjoy a, a time of peace and prosperity, and we shouldn't expect it to last. Uh, that's just that's just the long and the short of it. And these kinds of things where we've got uh, pastors preaching these sorts of things, and they're very very popular, and people flock to them, and they make gobs and gobs of money off of it. Uh, we just, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by that, and we, sh- and we should um, realize that that's that's a maybe a portent of things to come. Then who knows? Uh, you know, people may. It's it's interesting how uh, each generation kind of lives in this uh, notion that oh, it's never been worse than this. This is the worst it's ever been, and you know, it never can get any worse. And Jesus is coming back. Well, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I'm uh, one thing I, I've kind of done a deep dive on the past few months is uh, the 1960s. And we're going through a tumultuous time here in the United States, in our country, with you know with different interests conflicting back and forth, a lot of moving parts and this sort of thing. But the 1960s is crazy. Did I, you know, so we all fr- freaked out about what went on at the Capitol you know, in January around the election. And it was, it was bad. It, you know, it was a bad thing. And I, I don't endorse that sort of behavior at all. Um, and, and frankly, I'm a little bit ashamed that it was folks who might agree with me politically who did that thing. But if you go back to the 1960s, just, just look up the weather underground. Um, and you'll see that there, there were attacks on the Capitol, the, the weather other, underground, I believe, bombed the Senate at one time. So it's, you know, it's not as crazy as you think. It's good to study history. One good thing to know is your church history. Maybe I'll do a series on that at some point. But um, at any rate, we're, it's not the worst it's ever been. And it's not the worst it's ever gonna, going to be, uh, you know, g- going forward. And so uh, what we need to do is make sure that we are grounded in Holy Scripture, that that's our foundation and our and our authority because uh, aside from God there 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 is no authority uh what what we're left with if we abdicate God's authority to men is just that and that's what we're going to see with Jake's and what we want to warn people about because again we've we've got a there's a there's a just as much of a shot I don't you know the chance there, there's no chance here God's got all this within his will uh but there's just so much, much of a chance that God's will is for the church to be revived in America and, and for us to experience another era of prosperity. You know, we don't, uh, we don't know. 
And so the, what God has given us to know is that we, we believe his promises, his law and his promises. We obey his commands uh, according to the power he's given us in the gospel. And then uh, we're to go out as, as, uh, as witnesses to the gospel. And that's, that's all we're doing here. And hopefully bring a, bring a few people along uh, by, you know, by the Holy Spirit, uh, reviving them from death to life and into the church. All right. So we're hoping that that's the kind of thing that's going to go on here today. And the way, the way it happens here is, is we, we don't put forth our own ideas here. Uh, very, very often I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and preach a sermon to you, but we're, we're going to use what, what is, we're going to juxtapose false teaching with biblical teaching. That's, that's what we're after here. And you guys have been following us for many years and, and, uh, you know, follow us on YouTube or listen to the podcast, you know, that, and that's what we're after today. So without gilding the lily any further, let's get to TD Jakes in a sermon called God Knows When. I'm excited. I want to touch and agree before I do anything else for those of you who have invested into the kingdom of God, who have hooked the cables of your faith to the power of his promise, expecting that there'll be a transfer in the spirit world. Wealth starts on the inside before it shows up on the outside. Healing starts on the inside before it shows up on the outside. You start being healed in your spirit before you're healed in your body. And I'm praying that there'll be a connection and that this service will jumpstart your faith. Let's pray. Okay, so right away, right there in the opening, we're already getting a gospel that is not, not promised in Holy Scripture. Pastor Jakes, please take me to the passage of Scripture where it discusses where I hook up, hook myself up to the, the battery of, of faith and where it teaches that healing begins on the inside or wealth begin, or prosperity or whatever he said, or blessing or uh, breakthrough, <laughs> a lot of these guys use. Please direct me to the passage of the Holy Scripture where this is taught. That's what we always want to be thinking when we listen to sermons. That's really all, all we do around here. At, at in Lamester's is I, I listen to sermons and all I'm thinking the entire time when I'm critiquing these, now I've got some different details that I, that I work out with this, but basically what I'm thinking is, okay, pastor, you're preaching this. Please direct me to the passage of Holy Scripture where this is taught. It's, it's very easy in my church because we read three full passages of Scripture, one from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament, and an epistle. And we have Psalms weaved in, in and out throughout the, the liturgy and I know where the where the pastor is preaching from before he even starts preaching, and not so with Jake's here. He starts right off with with talking about these promises. Well, who makes these promises? Is it is it Jesus Christ or is it Buddha or Muhammad or who's promising that if we hook ourselves up to this battery of faith and that we begin our our wealth on the inside, our prosperity on the inside, or our healing on the inside? that it's going to manifest itself on the outside. So, quite simply here, he's already lying. He is already teaching you a false gospel, a gospel that is not found in Holy Scripture. Hey, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your many <coughs> blessings. We thank you for your kindness. 
We thank you for your goodness and your peace and your power. We thank you for your strength and your tenacity. We thank you because you're long-suffering because <laughs> you put up with us. Bless every seed that's sown and every seed that will be sown. As people continue to log on, let the same anointing. All right, so a couple things I want to get to right quick here. You probably saw the, the empty auditorium. This is this is several months ago, back when churches were still locking down for whatever reason from COVID. Uh, and so they've got people logging online to watch this uh, this sermon. And uh, what I wanted to point out here was this idea of seed. Now, in uh, if you're not familiar with this sort of language, uh, in the evangelical or in the charismatic and Pentecostal world, which T.D. Jakes is a part of, this idea of sowing a seed. This is from from Second Corinthians, where Saint Paul talks about giving uh, to giving money to to people who preach the gospel. And it, you know, he he who sows much reaps much. That's the idea. So, in other words, the more money you give to T.D. Jakes, so he can buy fancy leather jackets and drive around in Cadillacs and have private jets the more you're going to reap yourself materially. This this is what they, they believe. That's what seed sowing is. I right, just wanted to point that little detail out. Fall on their gift as it falls <coughs> on ours. We pray proactively. We bless what hadn't even come yet. We call it done in the It's hard for me to get through much of this <laughs> because there's all there's so much wrong with you. That's why I don't really engage too much with, with charismatic and Pentecostals because there's, there's just so much wrong with what they do. Uh, this is something that kind of runs throughout pop evangelicalism. You'll notice, try to listen to people when they are, quote, praying. Are they praying or are they trying to preach? It sounds like he's trying to preach something here or, or give some sort of message. God doesn't, you know, this isn't him um, petitioning God for for something necessarily. It, it, it starts that way and then it, then it kind of delves down into or devolves down into this preaching about you know the way we should feel about how God's going to act on his quote promise to return to give us a return on our investment here <laughs> that's uh that's really what's what's happening and uh that that is really annoying to me again another reason why I like high liturgy because the prayers are never what they call ex cordia from the heart I don't really like those types of prayers because they end up being something like this, where it's not its not a prayer any longer. It's not you coming before your Heavenly Father and, who, is, who is kind and generous and asking something of Him that you need. Uh, now it turns into this mini-sermon, which, which really detracts from, from the act of prayer. And so these sermons in, in the liturgy are, are written out. We already know what they're going to say. We can read along with them. Sometimes we pray with them. There's certain things we have memorized and that sort of thing. And that's, that is, that is a, I would say a good foundation for prayer. Once you have done that for, for several years, then perhaps you'll have the language and the, the awareness to, to really pray with others from your heart. It's okay to do that. You can pray from your heart. It's not, that's not, it's not forbidden in Holy Scripture. Um, but, you know, n nor is it uh, forbidden in Holy Scripture to, to, Write out a prayer, plan a prayer. That's that's perfectly fine. There's some some reason that evangelicals like to elevate this uh, elevate this praying from the heart above, you know, pl planning a prayer, writing out a prayer, or something like that. And it's strange because there, again, nowhere uh, nowhere in Scripture is it forbidden to to plan out a prayer. In fact, Jesus gives us a prayer to to pray <laughs> that we ought to pray the Lord's prayer. 
for sure, which uh, is is a uh, very uh, well. If you're Lutheran, you know that's what we pray all the time, and that's what we emphasize. That's what our our catechism teaches us, both large and small, and that's that's the prayer we really focus on because we are biblically centered people. Now, let me talk a little bit about that. Gives me an opportunity to talk about where well, what is you know why do these evangelicals preach and teach like this? Why do they you know why do they stray so far, so far afield from Holy Scripture? The foundational reason why this happens is because the Bible is not where they begin. It's simply not, especially with charismatic and Pentecostal folks, where they begin, it is with the heart and from the emotions and what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and so on and so forth. That's uh, evangelicals for sure, pop evangelicals, but especially charismatic and Pentecostal folks talk about God laid this on my heart. God spoke to my heart about this. A lot of this language is, is, is laced into, uh, into their lives. All right, so a couple things that are that are a problem with that sort of approach to knowing and understanding God. First of all, we are sinful people, and we tend to create things out of our own imagination. Uh, again, St. Peter, St. Paul, Jesus himself warns about this sort of thing. That that out, you know, Jesus says, out of the heart is, uh, it you know flows a, a person's. Uh, uh, sinfulness, really. That's really where the, the problem is, is in the heart. St. Peter and St. Paul talk about, you know, people making stuff up from their own imaginations. We twist the scripture, like T.D. Jakes is getting ready to do here, uh, just to suit our own uh, passions, and so on and so forth. So, beginning with our emotions and our heart is is a very dangerous place to start, and that and that is a difficult concept for, I think, well, I'm, I can't speak for all of time, but for us Western American Christians, that's what we kind of grew up with. That's the waters we swim in, is we act and behave according to our emotions. And we're taught in this culture that you can't control your emotions. That the emotions are something that just, you know, that, that come well up in you. you can't, oh, I can't help it. I love that person. I have to, you have to leave my wife and go be with this other person or you know, I love chocolate ice cream or what, you know, <laughs> these sorts of Western ideas of, of being completely subject to your passions. Now, Luther talks about this in the, in the bondage of the will, where in, in a sense, but from God's what, you know, our, you know, my Calvinist friends, my uh, reform friends would call common grace, which I think, I think is a biblical concept uh, that, that people without Christ would just live according to their passions. Uh, but but God gives gives grace even to to the unbeliever to to not be, always be subject to the passions. But they're good, they're definitely going to struggle more with saying, okay, I ha I have a desire for this thing that I know uh, that is maybe wrong or is going to hurt somebody. But I just can't help it. I've got you know I've got to go for that thing. I it, you know this is this is who I love. This is how I feel. You know uh, that's that's the whole problem with this sexual revolution. Uh, homosexuality, these sorts of uh, very destructive sexual ideas. That's that's the foundation of it. Hey, you know, you, you see billboards and signs. Our Supreme Court has talked about this. You know, how how are we going to punish people or or withhold uh, benefits from people because of who they love? That's 
almost precisely what the Supreme Court, our Supreme Court of the United States has told us. Hey, they can't help it. That's who they love. That's who they want to have sex with. How can you say that that's wrong? Well, <laughs> I can't say that that's wrong, but God certainly can. All right. So all that to say that this is really the found, especially for somebody like Jake's, Osteen, name, you know, uh, Hagee, whoever you want to name, <clears throat> in the charismatic and Pentecostal world, this is their foundation. God's going to speak to their heart, and they're going to act from there. And that's why the, the praying from the heart is so important, um, so on and so forth. And, and they're going to hear the voice of God, or they're going to claim that they hear the voice of God. This is language used throughout American evangelicals. God spoke to my heart on this. God laid this on my heart, and so on and so forth. And so the first problem is, is you're 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 a sinful creature, and you are uh, sometimes led astray by your passions, and they need to be corrected by Holy Scripture. So, but what happens is with a lot of Christians is they ended up they end up obeying their passions over and above the Holy Scripture. So they put their passion uh, on top of the Scriptures. Uh, you know, so, well, maybe I should put it this way. Okay. Their passion is the foundation. This is what my passions are. Okay. Well, here's a piece of scripture that says I shouldn't follow this passion, but it's my passion. I have to follow it. Right. So they'll let their, their emotions or feelings usurp Holy scripture. Um, that, that's a bad idea. It's going to lead, lead you to, to some, some bad places. The second thing is a lot of people say, well, God does speak to my heart, but, but I always test it with Holy scripture. Okay. The problem with that is, is if God, it, God's word is binding. If God has said something in your heart, I've, I have had evangelicals. In fact, I remember, now, I love my grandfather, rest in peace. I, I do believe that he was a Christian. He was a, he was a Baptist pastor. And I was thinking about being a, an evangelical pastor. And I said, grandfather, I really feel that God has spoken to me and told me that I should be a pastor. And he said, straight up, if God just said that to you, you better do it. Right? 100%. If, God, if that's what you believe, if you believe God speaks to your heart, then that command is binding. God's word is not negotiable. When God says it, you do it. Yeah? So, uh, when, we, when we make what God, when we put God's will in that kind of framework, when we frame it that way, then what we end up doing is uh, probably a lot of things that, 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 could, that could be in the larger sense, in the broader sense of the term, writ large, God's will, uh, but might be a really bad idea for you. Because really, what are you doing at the end of the day? I just, man, I really wanted to be a pastor. So what do I say? I say, God has laid it on my heart. Well, now that's the trump card of all trump cards. Nobody can dispute that. And then the problem you run into is God has laid this on my heart. And well, uh, Christian A God has laid this on my heart, and Christian B says, no, no, God has laid this on my heart. So now what do you do? <laughs> How do you solve that? Well, you become a Lutheran. That's what you do. <laughs> All right? Uh, because um, in, in well, Lutheranism for sure, and in classical Reformed, uh, the classical Reformed tradition, that includes the Calvinists, the Presbyterians, and what have you, and those who would adhere to those traditions, Reformed Baptists, um, it, it, that, that, that's not how that works. God has laid out a framework within which we behave. So we've got kind of this broad fence around us with God's word and his commands. And within that, 
you're free to move and make choices uh, according to what do you what you think the wisest thing might be. So if you want to go to, uh, you know, if you're a student who makes brilliant SAT scores and you're you're the uh, uh, the valedictorian of your class and you get accepted at a junior college, but you also get accepted into Oxford. What's your choice going to be? If you decide to go to the junior college, is that going to be a sin? No. It may not be the wisest choice you could have made. I might go ahead and go to Oxford if I were you because you've got the capacity to, to hang with that kind of education. Yeah, Same thing with marriage. A lot of evangelicals get caught up in this. I know I know, I did. You know, There's this one person God's got in mind. We've got a soulmate. That's all. That's platonic nonsense. That's Plato. That's, that's philosophy, pure philosophy, that, 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 contra, that contravenes or contradicts Holy Scripture. There's nowhere in Holy Scripture that says God's got one special person for you. Now, there's many instructions on who we should marry. St. Paul instructs us to marry other believers. He instructs us not to divorce if, we're, if we accidentally married a non-believer, etc. So there's a lot of, you know, the Ten Commandments teach us uh, how, to, how to live a chaste and pure life. There's all these... All, all those commandments which govern our actions, but as far as, you know, do I marry Lutheran A or Lutheran B? You know, that's the question I'm going through with, with my daughter now. Now, she's dating a very solid Lutheran man like, right now, God be praised. Um, but, you know, that that's the kind of question. Do I Lutheran A or Lutheran B? Well, that's your choice. It's up to you. Which one's better looking? I don't know. Which one's got a better personality? Which one's funnier? Which one has more money? I don't know. How you're going to pick that out? You know, you, then you just then then the only thing that governs you is is really wisdom in the Holy Scripture. Now, you, making a foolish choice is sinful, so you shouldn't just be flippant about these things. But at the same time, God is not going to speak to your heart on these matters. He's not going to speak to your heart, and you don't want him to, because and I've seen this happen oh, so many times, especially with young people. You know, that's how I used to work with in the evangelical world. Were were teenagers, and these kids would come to me, especially boys. Ugh. Um, they used to call me Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt, God has laid it on my heart that I should marry Alice. <laughs> and Alice is going, uh, really? This is the part where the, the, the who's laid what on whose heart comes into conflict? Yeah. That's a major problem. And that, and that happens. That really happens. So, so that whole idea of God speaking to your heart, it's not biblical, first of all. And it's not helpful. Uh, it, it, you know, it's either going to to kind of loose the chains on your passions, and we're going to hear Jake's talk about that a little bit. I don't know how much we're going to get through. We're not going to fool with these too much. We're going to hit some kind of highlight points, and then I'm going to wax rhapsodic, eloquent, whatever else I can wax on uh, with these things. But uh, but Jake's talks about that. So you, you, just these passions unleashed type of idea. And then, uh, on the flip side of it, you have these passions constrained, right? So, in other words, well, you know, there's a couple of choices. I've got Alice or Mary. Alice is, you know, what are she, I like her personality better. They're both fine Christian women, but, you know, Alice and I really get along. You know, we seem to have a good back and forth. So, and we've, you know, we're talking about dating. And so, and not that dating, not in the traditional sense, I would say. I'm against that topic for another time but i like alice god says great mary alice you're perfectly within uh within god's will which is outlined in scripture we talk about god's will that's if it's not 
outlined in the commands of Holy Scripture, that's what we're talking about here, folks. So when somebody comes to you and says, well, it's God's will for me to blah, 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 then you go, hmm. Okay, Johnny, where in Holy Scripture does it say that you're to marry Alice? Again, that's, that's kind of how we answer that. So we have freedom in that, uh, but not so much freedom that we just let our, our passions overwhelm those, those boundaries, those barriers that, that God has set up for human uh, existence and flourishing how men should be. Okay, that was a... That was good, so let's uh, let's keep going here with Jake's. name of Jesus, not just historically, not just contemporarily, but proactively, we pray in advance. Press down. Shake it together and running over. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody who loves him, shout amen. Ah, oh, say amen again. Okay, again, we're, oh, there's a perfect shot of it right there. If you're watching on YouTube... You can see that his entire auditorium is empty. There's a few folks out there. Now, at least uh, I can give T Jake's credit uh, on this score. He's not uh, doing the whole thing that Stephen Furtick was doing, which I think he had a track of applause and people yelling and screaming because, because back when he was doing this thing with the empty auditorium, blah, 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 it was really raucous. If you, uh, if you go back and listen, to, I don't remember which... Stephen Furtick critique it was, but it was one of them, I don't know, early last year, late last year, I can't remember. But he had an empty auditorium, man, it sounded like it was full. It was full for the last year. This bizarre stuff, really bizarre. Which, again, that's, you know, we, uh, hey, listen, our, our church never stopped having in-person services. We followed the, the rules. Because when this whole uh, COVID thing started to happen, you know, the rules were you couldn't meet in groups bigger than, than 10 people. And the mask thing was out. That was, you know, there no, no, no need to wear a mask. And so the pastors just did, you know, three and four services a day for in-person services. That was, that's what they did. How come, how come Jake's and, and these, these megachurch pastors did this? Oh, we'll just live stream it. Well, I predict, and I've heard some other folks predict this as well. I predict that what's going to happen when this thing is completely over and it's almost there, God be praised, when, it's, when all the restric restrictions are completely lifted, they're going to lose about 15% of the people who should show up in person. They're just going to show up online. That's not good for a number of reasons. Probably a topic I'll save for another day, but let's keep going here. I just thought it was really interesting. That, look at that. Insane. Usually that place is packed to the racks. All right, let's keep going. I'm anxious on this Sunday morning to share the word of the Lord with you. I have been on a trajectory all through January. We have been following the plight of the Hebrews in a captivity, drugged down into Babylon. And I want to pick up where I left off from last Sunday and go deeper into the Word of God. And if you want to join me, go to Psalms 126, verse 1 through 6, so you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Occasionally, while I'm ministering, the prompter will come up, giving latecomers an opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God so that you can step into this blessing that God has for his people. All right, let me just tell you what he's talking about there. I, I'm i not sure. I don't know. The thing of it is, the, the, what, the dopamine hit, I suppose, that you get from being able to speak and stand before large crowds is pretty great. So I don't know if um, Jake's would rather have that or he would rather have everybody watching on live stream. Because if you'll notice down here, if you can see my cursor, right there, down there, text TDJM to blah, 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 blah. 
for a donation of $50. That's what he's talking about. Sowing into the kingdom. That's a euphemism for give, you got a chance to give some money right now. Let's give some money. Sow into the kingdom because you want to reap that benefit. So I can wear nice leather suits here. See? Uh, what? Yeah, whatever. This is, yeah. Uh, what Luther called uh, preaching the gospel for filthy lucre, and it is a blatant example of it, right there. When you have it, say amen. Would you stand for the reading of the word? It is in the book of Psalms, 126 division, starting at the first verse, concluding at the sixth verse, that we will find the canvas on which I will paint the text and the truths that God has shared with me regarding your life. Let us start at verse 1. When the Lord... Okay, good grief. <laughs> there it is. The, the, the truths that God has spoken to me about your life. Your life. This is another big thing in the Pentecostal charismatic world. Uh, and again, when I was an evangelical pastor, would you know, we would go to these camps or whatever. And there would be other church groups there. And some were charismatic and Pentecostals. And these teenage children would quite properly come up to me and say, the Lord has given me a prophecy for you. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? The Lord has given you a prophecy for me? Wow. Okay, let's hear what's added he said. And they would tell me, blah, blah, blah. Um, first of all, that's really a use of witchcraft because they're trying to predict the future for you. That's not really what, what prophecy is for. Uh, always keep in mind when somebody says they have a prophecy, uh, that the prophets of the Old Testament, God spoke to them audibly, directly. They stood in God's presence. The Holy Scripture is clear about this. That that faults when when uh, the Old Testament condemns particularly <clears throat> false prophets. What it talks about is they did not stand in your presence, and they do not have your word. So, and, and I fortunately knew enough about the Bible to ask them this. I said, oh, did, did God bring you into his presence like Isaiah was in God's presence and then speak his word to you about me? Is, is that what happened? No, no, no. It just God just laid this on my heart. Um, okay, save it. <laughs> because unless God brought you into his presence and spoke this word audibly to you to deliver to me, then um, I'm not trusting it. Because the Holy Scripture tells me not to trust it, right? So, so just again, Jake's is completely. I mean, he's not hiding the ball. They, these guys don't hide the ball at all. That's why they're not very fun to critique because it's just so obvious that that uh, that they're false. There's false prophets. They're they're false teachers, and and they're blasphemers. That's precisely what's going on here. And they and they they take advantage of people and take their money. That's what they do. These people that want to hear what Jake's has to say, that flock to him because it's it you know, scratches their itching ears and then they then he takes advantage of that and takes their money. It's a sick and and um sat satanic uh movement here. And to be honest with you, I fear for all these men's souls because their theology certainly isn't solid and what they are doing with God's word is um is very, very sinful. And Christians don't do this to other Christians. You just don't. Alright, let's keep going. But turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. 
Then said they among the heathen, the Lord have done great things for them. Well, the Lord have done great things for us. Well, we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall, check this out, doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Can you say amen? I want to go back to that first verse. I want to read that first verse again. Psalms 126 and 1. With the Lord... Oh, I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Uh, it's good he read the scriptures. It's great. Should read the scriptures. There, at least there was some truth there. That's that's the one little bit of hope I have in in these situations. Is God's word is very powerful. Obviously, He created the entire universe and all that is with let there be light with His word. Yeah, uh, Genesis testifies to this. Saint John testifies to this to us in his gospel. So, where the, where the word is spoken, men's hearts can be changed. God be praised for that. So God could potentially use this uh, this reading of, of this psalm to draw men to himself. God can do that, absolutely. So God be praised The T.D. Jakes uh, read, the, uh, read the scripture. But one thing I didn't mention at the beginning is if you go and listen to this entire sermon, it doesn't mention Jesus once. It's been a while since I've run across one of these where they do, he doesn't mention Jesus once. He might have said in Jesus' name in the prayer. That doesn't count. <laughs> I don't even think he said it there. Maybe in the neighborhood. But he does not mention Jesus' name once. See, that's a little bit disturbing to me. Uh, it just could be because they're so, you know, narcissistic and self-focused that they don't even worry about Jesus or whatever. It just could be some, you know, they're, they're, they're sinful flesh. But it also could be Satan. So Luther kind of lays out three things that attack our faith. The world, the devil, and our sinful nature. Right. So the sinful nature most likely is probably at work here, but always in the sinful nature, Satan is, is mixed in there. They, these aren't exclusive, you know. The, they, they all three work together in some way, but primarily this could be just a you know sinful flesh issue. Uh, but it's it's pretty kind of makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up a little bit, to be honest with you when a preacher does not mention the name of Jesus at all. Because uh, that, that's really where the power is, 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 is in his name. Let's see. Uh, so anyway, good he read the scriptures, really bad he doesn't say Jesus or Christ or talk about the gospel at all here. Turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. I read the whole thing, but I really didn't need it. I didn't need the whole verse. I really want to preach on the word when. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Let us little trick uh, pastors use quite a bit off uh, uh, actually in, in the evangelical world and you know in the pop Christianity world of America they'll do exactly this they'll read a verse they'll take one word out of it and then preach whatever they want to preach that's what they do 
He is not going to preach this text. All right. Um, he is not going to preach this text. And he's going to take that that little word when and run with it and preach whatever he wants to. So let's listen to him preach whatever he wants to. Let's pray. As we consider the subject, God knows when. Say that with me. God knows when. Say it again. God knows when. Say it again. God knows when. One more time. God knows when. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the privilege on this Sunday morning that you have endowed us with the supernatural grace to conversate with divinity, to convocate up under the cloud of your anointing, to have this precious moment to be saturated with truth in such a way that we are affected all week long because of what we heard today. Now bind every devil and every distraction. When we're home, there can be all kinds of distractions. Bind every distraction so that we can focus in and hear what thus saith the Lord. For in your hands are the words of eternal life. I believe you for it. In Jesus' name, some believers say amen. Have a seat and let's discuss. Okay, so he said amen. Or he said, yeah, he said amen. He said Jesus in the prayer. It doesn't count. does not count. From henceforth, he is not going to mention Jesus' name. This is where God knows when. When I read the text, <coughs> amidst the magnitude of powerful things, prolific things that stood out to me, it was the one word when that captivated me the most. When the time capsule, when the ambiguity of it, when the uncertainty of it, when the promise of it. The Lord knows when is often an expression. Uh, like you say, the Lord knows when I'll get back to Alabama. The Lord knows when I'll get back to the store. The, it, it, it's more of an expression. But today I want to use it more as a conviction. I want it to have more meaning than a casual American colloquialism. I want it to point to the fact that the Lord knows when is my conviction. I want to discuss an absolute conviction with you. Just something that you can really sink your teeth into. The Lord knows when. His knowledge and sense of timing has long been a discussion of theological worth. That God knows is where we get omniscience. God being all-knowing, knowing everything from the beginning to the end that the Lord knows. It is comforting to say the Lord knows when, especially when I don't. <laughs> it is important for us to understand the Lord knows when to, dis to rebuke the tendency to believe that our lives are chaotic. We turn on the television set every day and we don't know what in the world we're going to see. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what calamity is going to face. There's a feeling of uncertainty. 
there's a pensiveness that's inherent in our spirits right now, sitting on the edge, not knowing what's going to happen next. To know and to remind yourself that God is omniscient and that God has a plan and he has a schedule and he has a sequence and he has a structure gives comfort whether he shares it with me or not. For God often knows things that he chooses not to share. Like parents don't always share with the children and children don't always tell their parents. It is possible to have information and not espouse the information to you, but the Lord knows when. It's like children going on a ride and they're in the back seat of the car and they keep saying to you, are we there yet? Yet they are comfortable to ride on the car in the uncertainty of not knowing where they are in the journey. They are confident because they know that their father or their mother has the wheel. Are we there yet? I don't know. Okay, I, uh, uh, well, Pastor Jakes maybe hasn't had little children in quite some time. <laughs> so I would vehemently, vehemently disagree with that, that children are content in the car. Anyway. Uh, what I want to point out here, and this is this is one of the main themes I want you to walk away with here, is what Pastor, again, he's not going to mention Jesus' name. Uh, he He's going to preach good news, but he's not going to preach it from the Bible. He's going to preach his own good news. Again, he's taking this one word, when, related it to this American, as he rightly said, this American colloquialism that, you know, believers and unbelievers like to say, God knows, right? God knows when, God knows of this, that, and the other thing. We kind of just flippantly throw that sort of thing around. But he's not going to talk about the gospel, um, the forgiveness of sins for Christ's sake, for, because of the, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. We have the forgive, we, have, we have the forgiveness of sins. He that's what Jesus came for. We get we get none of this in Pastor Jake's sermon here. What are we more worried about? All the chaos of our lives. Folks, if that's what is bothering you the most, repent. Now, look, it, we're Americans. We're used to this. You're sitting there probably saying, yeah, you know what? I'm more worried about you know, what bill I'm going to pay or you know, if I'm going to have work or what's going on with this disease, etc., etc., than I am about going to hell. I, I really am. Well, what's the answer to that? Repent and be forgiven because you shouldn't be more scared of those things than, than you are of the wrath of God. And that sounds like old school fire and brimstone. I just don't know how else to put that. If we really believe what we say we believe, the eternal fires of hell should cause us to much more consternation and angst than whether or not we're, we're going to get to walk around without a mask, all of us, eventually. That's just really should be true. But he doesn't mention that at all. And this this is a gospel verse, the psalm that he's, that he's brought. It, this is pure gospel. This is not talking about promises um, in, in this life for us. It was alluding to, it's making uh, an allegory of Israel's history to demonstrate the gospel to us in this psalm. But this, but but this temporal blessing that God gave to Israel or promised to give to Israel is illustrative of uh, the coming glory we will share with God our Father, the King of the universe in heaven because Christ came 
bled, died, and rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father for the forgiveness of her sins. That's the deal here. And that is just not going to get mentioned. Because why? Because nobody that shows up to hear T.G. Jakes is worried about that. They're worried about, hey, I texted blah, blah, blah to blah, 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 and gave my 50 bucks. I'm looking forward for, to the windfall because I just sewed in. You know, poured over, crushed down. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, that cash coming back in. They're more worried about their pocketbook or whatever else. Right? And we're all guilty of this. Let's not pretend like, you know, it's just the, the poor little charismatic uh, people that are being led astray by this wolf that struggle with this. We all struggle with this. So I, I do, and that's why I bring it up. It's kind of interesting that when people bring certain things up, this is the exact thing they're, they're struggling with. I do. I worry more about the, these earthly temporal things than I do about my eternal soul. Right. Um, however, uh, when we repent and confess that uh, and, and ask God for help to overcome that, uh, that delusion in our mind that this life is all there is, uh, he helps us. And so, uh, you know, and sometimes that's not enjoyable. For me, it would definitely was not uh, to, to come to the realization that, that God's wrath was on me uh, was, was not a fun part of my conversion. Uh, generally speaking, <clears throat> shouldn't, shouldn't be a very fun part. Um, and, and that happens in the event, you know, all over the place. People might weep or whatever when you come to the realization that you need the forgiveness of sins. And, and, and also that the forgiveness of sins is available. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no sin that you've done that Christ's blood doesn't cover. That's good news. Because <clears throat> fundamentally, we know, and when the Holy, Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel, uh, the way, the way that, that happens, as, as outlined by Holy Scripture, is that, <clears throat> is that uh, when, when God's law comes upon us, it, it shows us our need for a Savior. And, and short of that, um, we have this fundamental angst of being estranged from the one who created us. Yeah? I'm, I'm convinced that we, that's something we feel. That's, an, that's a biblical thing to feel. You should feel anxious about being estranged from God. But God be praised, we have been reconciled. We have been bought back by his blood. That's the message. I would love to hear T.D. Jakes preach. That's the message people being called by the gospel need to hear Sunday in and Sunday out. But here he's going to teach this nonsense by pulling this one word out of a psalm and teaching you something that is just not biblically true because, again, quite frankly, uh, what I'm afraid of is that a lot of people that show up to T.D. Jakes' church are not being called by the gospel and they'd rather hear something else. And if T.D. Jakes preached the gospel, that he would start to see a lot of people find the nearest exit. That's pretty much what would happen. All right. Again, not to say that the people can't be reached for the gospel here. He read God's word. God be praised. God can use his word very powerfully um, to, to bring people to himself in all kinds of strange ways. I've heard, I've heard people talk about it. Um, how, hey, I used to go to this, this weird church and they read this passage of scripture and it just... You know, it made sense to me or whatever, you know, and then they became Lutherans, <laughs> you know, afterward. Uh, so I've, I've heard those, those kinds of stories, but it's, it's just, it's too bad that, um, that, that this, this sort of thing goes on. And again, I mean, it's, it's nothing to, to distress over per se, 
Uh, this is what what Jesus told us would go on. There'd be false teachers, and there would be people that uh, Saint Paul said that would follow after them with their itching ears, and then there'd be a bunch of them, and it would be you know not good and disgusting, and we should be aware of them. Um, and if you've got friends or whoever else that are caught up into this, this is this is the kind of, you know this is another reason why I do this. The main reason I do this is to kind of keep myself sharp, kind of keep myself keep my hands busy. I tend to sin, <laughs> um, and one thing that God has given us to do is work and, and, and hobby and recreation and family and that sort of thing to keep our hands busy in a good way. This is why I do it. But um, also, if this is helpful, uh, you know, it, you pass this along to your, your friend who likes T.D. Jakes. I've got family members who I'll pass this along to because they like T.D. Jakes. And, you know, uh, hopefully one day they'll see that, oh, okay, what Matt's saying about T.D. Jakes is making sense. Right? Because, again, he's not preaching the biblical gospel. We want people to hear the gospel from God's word, and we're not getting it here. All right, uh, we'll do a little bit more, and then we got to quit. Whether we're there yet, I don't know whether we're at the end of suffering. I don't know whether we're at the end of sacrifice. I don't know whether we're coming to harvest or not. Are we there yet? But I do know who holds the wheel. And as long as I know who holds the wheel, I'm not worried about where I am in the journey because I know before we got in the car, you had a plan, you had a map, you had a strategy, you had a timing. And I'm going to wait on you. Jesus at one point tells his disciples. Okay. Uh, no, enough of this. Um, again, I got through. Let me see here. Oh, precisely 10 minutes of this. That's why I usually don't do these sermons because there's just not enough. There's just, there's too much. And, and then, and then as, as you get into it, it's the same old thing over and over and over and over and over again. So, you know, there's really not much. You can go listen to the whole thing. It, you'll see. It's just the same thing over again about him preaching the one day, you know, the, the when will come. Um, yeah, that's, that, that is, is not what is promised in the gospel. Furthermore, just another little, you know, tidbit here. Um, the, the life he describes as you sitting as a child in the backseat of the car while God drives and you just sit there. Um, that's not the Christian life. That's not how the Bible describes the Christian life. It's it's not it's this is kind of a fatalistic deterministic type of approach to things that you can do you just kind of go do do whatever in your life you know show up to church give your fifty bucks on you know through the text message once a week and you know God God's in control He'll take care of everything no Christians cooperate with the Holy Spirit in in their sanctification uh, that's one thing I, you know if you guys listen to the podcast for any length of time you know that I harp on a lot about us Lutherans is we. With our emphasis on justification, we forget about sanctification. We forget that we, as Christians, have a role to play in how our lives go. You know, if I go out and do a murder here after I get done with this podcast, that's on me. That's not on God. Well, God's in control, and I'm, yeah, I'll just go out and do a murder. And God's in control. He'll take care of it. He'll, he'll bring me to the destination he wants me to bring me to. No, that is false. That is false teaching. When we're talking about God bringing us safely home to heaven, yes. We can trust that no matter what, no matter, uh, you know, if, if we if I go out and do a murder and I get put away for life, I can repent and be forgiven. <laughs> that would be, I mean, be really silly and stupid thing to do. You're not getting, I mean, the, the temporal consequences are, of sin are pretty bad and they're dangerous to faith, right? Uh, again, if you're not a Lutheran, uh, that, that's going to be something that's going to maybe rub you the wrong way, that, that you can forfeit your salvation by by manifesting and gross sin by by obvious and big sins 
That's what that means, manifesting gross. Obvious and big. That can happen. And the scripture warns us about that, and we should be warned about it. But it's not this thing where we're sitting in the backseat, Daddy, when are we going to be there? No, we participate with the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. Life doesn't work like this, right? So, what? again, I think we pretty well covered the problem with Jake's here. It, he just doesn't preach the gospel. It's sad. Um, and it's and it's it's frustrating. It's angering. Um, see how this series goes because we're going to get a bunch of this going forward. Okay, that's it for this week. That's all we have time for. Please do go to lamestermsradio.org and donate to the Men of Steel Project. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>